You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. It's a short week for the Seahawks, which means it was pretty easy to turn the page because you didn't have time to do anything else coming off that loss Sunday in L.A. John Boyle from Seahawks.com, as always, joins the conversation. Hello, John. Hi, Jen. How are you? Well, I'm confused. I don't know what day it is. And I, I don't know what is day that, it is. is. I can't figure out when I'm actually going to make Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and also, I've got, I don't know, five different pieces of paper, computer screens, books. I've got all the information right here at my fingertips, and I still do not have a great way to talk about what we saw on Sunday, particularly with 12 penalties or the way that the stats completely flipped in the second half of that game. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's there's so much talk about finishing because it's something that the Seahawks have done pretty well most of the year, except two big exceptions have been both games against the Rams. They had a six-point lead in both games. Obviously, things went a lot worse in the opener than this last game, but it's still a little tough to to stomach when you you know you have you feel like you're in control of that game. You settle for some field goals when you really could have kind of blown it open early, and then they claw their way back in it when the Seahawks offense wasn't getting going. And you know, there's kind of some weird circumstances there. You didn't have your starting quarterback for three possessions. You you know, the penalties were pretty, pretty wild, just so many of them and in such big situations. So, but it's tough. I mean, that's, that's one that got away from the Seahawks for sure. Well, and again, you look at the opening drive, they drive the length yeah, of the field, so they good. overcome a couple of things. You're like, man, they are on their way. This is perfect. And Pete Carroll, after the game on Sunday, he sounded, I don't know if it was disappointed, if it was disheartened, but I don't know that he sounded much more encouraged on Monday when he talked about the second half struggles. Yeah, and we started out so nicely, uh, you know, yesterday on offense, and we were clicking and looking good, and the fourth down conversions added to it. Um, yeah, we, we have to continue to adapt as the game goes on to make sure that we're making the plays that are available to us, and that's, you know, that's that's the thrower, that's the catchers, that's uh, that's the calls. You know, we've got to make sure we're making the right calls as we continue through the game. seems like we're losing our, our, our momentum on third downs for some reason, and, and so uh, we just got to execute better and, and, and keep putting the ball in the guy's hands that'll make the plays for us yeah the Seahawks started that game four for four on third down the first time they didn't convert it was fourth and short went for it and got it so you're essentially five for five to start the game and then they were one for I think 11 the rest of the way and a big part of that what we saw this past game was the early down execution whether it was penalties or just plays not working out those ones they weren't converting there were a few third and short but there was a ton of third and 10 third and 11 there's like a third and 20 something after penalties and so they're just getting in a situation where it's really hard to convert. And when it was all said and done, Seattle, with over 200 yards in the first half, looked like they were on their way to yeah. some big yards, but they finished with just 291. Meanwhile, the Rams were just about 62 yards at halftime. They finished with 267. I think some of that, John, is Sean McVay is an excellent play caller. Yeah. And it does not matter what the standings say. The Rams and the Seahawks play close yeah. games. And he's a good in-game. He's good at adjusting in-game to what teams are doing, and that's why I think you see them often have 
good second half. So well, and you've got a quarterback that's seen a lot of football, yeah. right? So you can actually make those changes mm-hmm. on the fly, yeah. right, as needed. And he's good at adjusting to that. We've heard the word adjusting from Pete Carroll. Uh, you just said it. Jaron Reed said that after the game too. He said that guys needed to be better at making adjustments. When I asked, "Is are we talking about a scheme thing? He was like, no, individually, you've got to be better at seeing what's going on. It does surprise me that that was part of the conversation, given how many vets are on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, there's there's always ways they can get better. Overall, the defense still had a pretty solid game. A lot of the numbers across the board support that. They, you know, bunch of short drives, three and out type drives. They got a turnover. It was just really, you know, the one drive at the end of the first half and then those last two drives late in the game where, you know, there's a lot of things you got to give the Rams credit for a lot of it. And again, some just some brutal penalties. I mean, they they had two third down stops that, you know, one's maybe they're punting, maybe not. The other one, they're kicking a field goal. And instead, they get a touchdown, a field goal out of it on those penalties where you give them an extra some extra life. And I'm not sure that you could emphasize penalties any more than they already have. Yeah. But as Pete Carroll said, they got to they got to figure out it's on the coaches to figure it out is. something because yep. you you know you can't have twelve penalties. Well, and look, I'm not saying all twelve of those were necessarily well best. earned. Yes. So you know you might have some gripes with a few of those, but there's still plenty they can clean up. But I will also say this: it is rare that you see Pete Carroll charging towards the field after the defense makes a red zone stand in the first quarter and getting Bobby to get the entire defense together and say, look, you guys got to get on track. Like it's too sloppy. There's penalties mm-hmm. on the, on the uh, Rams opening drive. I've never seen Pete do that. And the message to Bobby was very clear. Go get these guys on track. We find out after the game and, and we had seen it a little at practice mm, that yeah, this had Wednesday, cropped up in practice like, as well. And so he had a good point of reference, but um, you cannot give the 49ers additional yards on Thursday night. Absolutely not. Like you're going you're coming up against a stretch of games here where you're facing some of the best teams in the NFL. And I'm not saying the Seahawks can't hang with these teams and maybe beat them, but you can't do it if you commit double digit penalties, 100 plus penalty yards, you're you're going to put yourselves in too big a hole. Well, and they're already dealing with a couple of injuries. Look, this is a short week. We are not going to know on some of these guys until we get to game day. What we do know is that Gino made a really strong statement by coming back into the game Sunday in L.A. Oh, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I, I, I really, as When I get a chance to address him here and when I leave you guys, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to, to just point that out. He came back right out there, and he, he's, he was banged. Now, that was, a, that was a heck of a hit that he took, and, and just to get back out, but not just to get back out, but to execute that well, uh, I thought it was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you wanted him back in that game to try to win the game, but I think that did send a great message, just not only in terms of his you know commitment to the team, his toughness, but it also probably just kind of made everyone feel a little better, like, okay, he's okay. Because, you, you know, when he goes out and he's out of the game and he's got that arm wrapped, I'm sure it's hard not to think, oh, man, how long is he out? Did he tear something in his arm? Is he going to miss the season? Well, obviously, if he's back out there, he's okay. I mean, obviously, he's going to be hurting this week, and there's some question about how much he can do. But, you know, when you look at, like, the long-term prognosis, as Pete Carroll said, there's no actual damage to the elbow. It's just a contusion that causes swelling. Yeah, and you've probably heard that update by now. It was the Aaron Donald helmet just behind his elbow that hit 
the tricep right at the elbow. Yeah. That's what was swelling up. And if you saw Gino on the sidelines, the amount of times he was shaking his arm, it was it was mainly to keep movement in that so yeah. that he could throw it. Otherwise, that arm was going to swell up pretty good. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that plays into things on Thursday. Even if he plays, you wonder if you need to lean a little bit more on the running game. As not to go downfield, (laughs) but Ken Walker III didn't finish the game. As we know, an oblique injury. He tried to go back out there after I, yeah, after he was hurt and that just, that did not work well. In his place, though, we could end up seeing a guy that we haven't seen at all since training camp. And Kenny McIntosh has looked really fast at practice and this could be the week we see him on the field. He is ready to go. I've been saying that to you guys that we just didn't have the opportunity yet. Uh, this will present, you know, he'll go right to the front with this thing. And, and uh, uh, you know, he and Zach will be, be knocking it out with DJ until we know Kenny's back. And so so uh, McIntosh is ready to go, and he needs to be ready to play. He's got really good versatility in his, in his throw, his, his catching ability in the throwing game. He's uh, a, a scat back, got good quicks, good, good change of direction, good movement and stuff. You guys haven't had a real good chance to see him yet, but we're really excited about the prospects of, of Kenny getting uh, getting some shots here. So. If that happens, that's that's you know we'll we'll, we'll count on him to fill that that role for us. Yeah, Pete Carroll didn't completely rule out Kenneth Walker, but you know reading between the lines and especially on a short week, it sure seems like it's going to be an uphill battle for him to play, which will open the door to Kenneth Walker to make his debut. And as Carroll, Kenny McIntosh, oh, to I'm make sorry, his debut. I said Kenneth Walker twice, didn't I? Having two Kens at the <laughs> same position, and then Pete will say in a quote, "Kenny and Kenny," and it's like, oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> I blame Pete for this. Um, uh, that's a rule two violation. No excuses. Anyway, <laughs> call myself out for that one. See Ken McIntosh. And as Pete noticed, or I can't, you got me all flustered. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on tilt, as they would say. As Pete pointed out, we haven't really seen Kenny McIntosh unless you were out at training camp because he got hurt in that mock game. So he didn't get any of the preseason games. Obviously, he hasn't played this season. And he's a very exciting player can do a lot of things in the passing game, elusive runner. You know, we'll see how much they use him. I'm sure Zach Sharpney is going to be kind of the guy in that scenario if, if Walker's not playing. And it'll be fun to see him get a big workload as well because he's a great runner. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what McIntosh can bring. Well, in a very different style of runner. You yeah. heard Pete describing it, but you think about the number of guys that Charbonnet has run over this year. I don't know that you're going to see McIntosh do that. Yeah. But he is, boy, he's got quicks. And I tell you what, there's somebody said for different style, and because we're facing the 49ers, I just thought of this. There was a game in San Francisco a couple years back when Alex Collins had come back to the team, and the offense was just stagnant, wasn't getting going, they couldn't get Chris Carson going, and they plugged Alex Collins in. And I'm not saying Alex Collins was a better running back than Chris Carson, but in that game, the style of runner he was, it just worked better. And they got the offense going, and they ended up winning that game. So I do think there are times when just stylistically having two different guys, if one isn't working, having the other style can really help, especially against such a good defense. Well, and you mentioned the defense. It is one of the best in the league right now in terms of points allowed just over 15. I feel like we've said this at least two other times, which which we have. We said that about Cleveland and about Baltimore, and San Francisco was always right there, and it depends on the week as to which one of those teams leads the league in defensive scoring. Right now, the Niners are right there. They also have 14 interceptions. And I looked at the interception numbers. John, they've got four guys with multiple interceptions. Now, one of them was just placed on IR. So we will not be seeing Tanaloa Hufunga 
But you still have a lot of options back there, which gets us back to the running game that we just haven't seen get established yet. Yeah, it's, you know, it's something that Pete Carroll's been asked about almost every week. And he every week says, you know, they want to get more out of it. They've they've had moments that have looked really good. They've gotten, you know, one or both running backs going in spurts, but they just haven't had that game they want where you really just get the run game going and you get a bunch of carries and a bunch of yards and control the tempo of the game. This this would be a heck of a week for that. And controlling the tempo and time of possession yes. is going to be key against this team. You look in the Niners, I mean, their time of possession stats, it's about even. It's almost 50-50 with them. Here's the thing, though. Their average scoring drive, it's pretty quick. I mean, they're scoring in yeah, big, under three I mean, minutes, they've got big offense. chunks yeah. down the field. So what you don't want to do is the, give them a chance to do that because uh, they can change the momentum and the direction of a game very quickly. Injuries to the Seahawks, well, that could change your fantasy football lineup. But you know what? By the time you get to Sunday, you're going to sit back and be able to relax with the Seahawks having already played. Our fantasy expert, Scott Engel, gives us just a little bit of insight on how to stack that roster. Thanks, Jen and John. We don't have any buys to deal with in fantasy football week 12, but the sense of urgency to get in your lineup sooner as we have three games on Thanksgiving Day and the first ever Black Friday NFL game on Friday. If you picked up Zach Charbonnet off waivers or if you've been stashing him on your bench, this is a good week to get him in your lineup as a fantasy running back three or flex option for projected volume against the San Francisco 49ers. He has caught 10 of his 11 targets in his last two games, and he's on the field a lot because the Seahawks really like his pass blocking, and he's versatile. The 49ers have the number three ranked run defense, but Zach Charbonnet is a physical running back who will seek out contact, and he should get a lot of touches this week. So for that volume, you want to have him in your fantasy lineup. Prior to last week, he had played on over 50% of the snaps in three consecutive games. So even when Kenneth Walker III is available, Zach Charbonnet should get enough touches for regular flex consideration in fantasy football. Also, rookie Kenny McIntosh might get in the mix this week too, and he's a good pickup in deeper leagues if he's still available on your waiver wire. From other teams... Liking the Baltimore Ravens a lot this week, Gus Edwards has become a must-start because of his regular touchdown production, but undrafted rookie Keaton Mitchell is capable of scoring from anywhere on the field, and he's averaging 10.3 yards per carry, and the Chargers ranked 28th in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs over the last four weeks. Also, Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. are good starts at wide receiver against the league's lowest-ranked passing defense. From the Indianapolis Colts, go with Michael Pittman Jr. as a must-start, and also rookie Josh Downs. The Buccaneers have allowed the most receiving yards and the third-most catches to wide receivers over the past four weeks. Also, here's a sleeper for you. New England Patriots wide receiver Demario Douglas has 16 receptions on 23 targets in the last three games. The Giants have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to wide receivers over the past four weeks. 
At tight end, David Njoku has been very busy recently with 13 receptions and 24 targets over his past two games. And the Denver Broncos have allowed the most fantasy points per game to tight ends this season. At quarterback, Joshua Dobbs has been a great story in real life and fantasy football. He has rushed for touchdowns in five consecutive games overall, and he scored 24-plus fantasy points in three of his past four games. The Vikings have the best pass-blocking advantage of any team offensive line-wise for Week 12 against the Chicago Bears, and the Bears rank 23rd in fantasy points per game allowed to quarterbacks this season. For more recommendations from me for Week 12, check out the Fantasy Insider tab on the news page on Seahawks.com. Check out my lineup ranks at rotoballer.com and more of my sleepers at thegameday.com. Back to you, John and Jen. Okay, thank you, Scott. I am sure that uh, if you are a fantasy owner that has any of the 49ers offensive players, you are pretty happy right now. Yeah, it's been a productive group. I mean, they've got... Big play guys. You want to start listing them? Because I debated whether we should just start listing. I don't know where to start, and I don't want to leave anybody out. Yeah, I mean, if you ask a defense player, they're all going to say it starts with the run game, so they're going to point to McCaffrey. But Oh, the guy that leads the league in rushing yards and touchdowns? Yeah. Yeah, But it's not like if you stop him, you're like, okay, we're good, because there's also, I mean, there's Kittle, there's Ayuk, there's Debo, Debo, there's, yeah. It's not great. No. It's not great. And there's Brock Purdy who during that three-game slump that they had, you know, he he threw five interceptions, and he did not look good, and there was a lot of questions about if people had figured him out. Well, in the last two games, he has thrown six touchdowns. He's recorded a perfect passer rating against Tampa. He already has the best passer rating in the league and the best QBR in the league. Oh, and have you heard that he was Mr. Irrelevant? Never. I haven't heard that. That one wasn't that— Next, you're going to tell me that there are certain tight ends in the NFL who play basketball. I don't have not that <laughs> one. I haven't heard either. Look, we can talk about all of the challenges, but Pete also knows what his team is stacked up against. It's a really well balanced club, and so uh, when they're on it, they're tough to move around on defense, and, and they're hard to hard to slow down because they mix really well. Purdy's done a great job with them uh, with the, with the run pass game. He's been able to make the big plays. The guys have made the big catches for him. You know, McCaffrey's having such a good year, and just an incredible force. He's right at the centerpiece of everything that they're doing, and uh, you know, it's just just really really a, a difficult team to, to deal with. But teams have figured it out. You know, they have found them out, and they, they they were able to get them, and so we understand that. You know, they've got three losses. We got four losses. You know, this is a huge opportunity for us. Yeah. And I mean, as Pete Carroll said at the end of that quote, this is the team that right now you're chasing it. You're, you know, they say their goal every year is to win the NFC West. And you're about to face a team that's one game ahead of you twice in a three week span. And a team that, quite frankly, was just a little better than you last year. We saw it three games. They lost all three of them, including a playoff game. And so this is your first chance to go out and say, look, we've gotten better this year. We can hang with the big boys. Well, and I do think it was the matchups against the 49ers that led Seattle to make the moves that they did. Yeah. And we said it when the trade for Leonard Williams was made. Mm -hmm. That was a response to who you're facing within your division. I think the Niners went out and made the trade for Chase Young because of what Seattle did to get Leonard Williams. It's definitely a cat and mouse game between these two teams. Yeah, for sure. And look, I mean, the, the, the Seahawks have made no secrets about the fact that they understand like this is the team we're chasing right now and they feel like they got better this offseason through the draft through free agency and then that trade as well but 
again this week and a couple weeks from now or your chance. Like, look, I'm not saying if you lose this week, you can't beat them later. This is not the end of the season, but it's it's a nice benchmark game. Yeah, and you're going to face this team again pretty quickly yeah. too. So less than two weeks. You got yeah. That that one's going to be tough, right? Because this is a very physical type of game. There's, you know, it's funny. I was listening to George Kittle quotes, and you know, there's a lot of animosity, mm-hmm. I think, but also it doesn't. I, I it just feels like a good rivalry. Yeah. Not not an I hate you. Just yeah. it just it, feels like a great it, yeah, rivalry. Yeah. Like there's respect there for yes. sure. I mean, definitely at the top with these coaches, there's a ton of respect. But even I think you're referencing the quote Kittle had this week of like. He loves playing here. He says it's like a really tough crowd. And he's like, he basically says like they hate us and he loves to play in front of it because of that. Of like, yeah. it's, you know, again, we're not talking real hate. It's the, the old term sports hate. But players like that of like when they really feel that like sports rivalry intensity. And it, it's been that way between these two franchises for a while. Yeah. Um, and it is the way that this team is so balanced and not just on offense with the way that they mix run and pass, but it's the way they play true team football and the way that the offense complements the defense mm-hmm. and vice versa. It makes it tough to find any sort of crack, you know, to kind of to disrupt that flow because they're they're just good in all phases. Yeah, they really are. They really are. Um, but fans, I have something that you can do to help out. I've got this. It relates to George Kittle. I know why he likes playing in Seattle so much. I will tell you what that is right after this word from our presenting sponsor. Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii, the emerald green hills of Scotland, the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. I'm intrigued now. You, you set that tease up really nicely. Thank you. I mean, that, I, that I is... I spent the whole commercial break just... Wondering yeah. what it is. Here's what I need fans in Seattle to do before the game. I need you to find and purchase... All of the pumpkin loaves at your local coffee shop, at your grocery store. I need you to do this because as it turns out, George Kittle started eating pumpkin loaf before the game in Seattle back in 2021 and then went off for 181 yards on nine receptions since then. He has had a pumpkin loaf before every single game. He's been pretty good in that stretch. You know who else he got to eat pumpkin loaf before games? Fred Warner. And guess what? He's been pretty good in that stretch, too. So my plan is You can't get this this stuff everywhere, folks. No. Nope. You cannot. So my plan is this. Everybody go buy pumpkin loaf. All right. Make sure that it is unavailable when he tries to go and get it before the game on Thursday. Yeah, that or we just contact all the coffee shops and tell them not to sell Not to sell yes. to a guy that looks like I mean, he's got he a distinct belongs. look. You, yeah. could, you could pass that photo around. <laughs> do not sell this man. <laughs> Taped behind the counter at every Starbucks. Right. Do, do not, not sell, sell pumpkin loaf to this man. <laughs> he's going to be sending people out of the hotel to get it for him. It's This is... I mean, we could at least make it a headache for him to get a pumpkin loaf. Sure. That's what I would say. Um, <laughs> I just. We got our keys to the game right that's, there. Uh, well, that's kind of what I was thinking on that front. Um, 
yeah, because it's it's tough to slow down that offense. It's one of the best defenses in the league. To me, it seems pretty obvious what the Seahawks need to do to win the game, but I will let you go first with your two things. I mean, just based off what we saw and what we talked about earlier, I, w- I want the offense to sustain a good start. I mean, it, it doesn't need to be a touchdown every drive or anything like that, but like, if you're going to get some third downs early, keep it up. I don't want to see that second half big dip. So let's just say I think a, there's a lot that goes into third down, but I think if they can stay steady on third down throughout the game, that's going to mean they're doing a lot of things. It's going to be a good like indicator on how they're doing overall in offense. So give me 45% or better on third down. Mm-hmm. And then I just want to keep McCaffrey in check. I know I, I said this already. There's a lot more to their offense than just him, but at least if you can keep them from being balanced, it's going to help you out. Well, and to keep him in check just by point of comparison for numbers, the Niners run for over 132 yards a game. McCaffrey himself averages about 82 yards a game. So we're probably looking to cut that in half or yeah. maybe just I, any anything. Under 50, under I'll say average? under 50. Okay. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Play fundamental football. Yes. Do not give them extra yards. Fundamental football means you're not going to turn the football over and you're not going to commit penalties. Now, I'm not going to – I'd like to see zero penalties, but what I'd really like to see is no penalties on the line on yes. either side of the ball. That, to me, is fundamental. Yeah. None of the pre-snap, nothing on the line. I, I, that is fundamental football. You should not be doing that. And given how opportunistic this defense is, don't turn the ball over. Yeah. See, honestly, those are the first two things I thought of, and I was trying to you know, save something easy for me. you. Because you let me go first all the time, and I take the obvious I stuff. I really appreciate but, you know, that. I'd, now, yeah. go out and buy about um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that, 50 that, pumpkin loaves. The key number for me is zero. <laughs> pumpkin loaves available near the team hotel. For George yeah. Kittle. I'm glad we figured this out. We will see how we did next time on a brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.